0: I just was reminded so strongly, Psalm 4610, as we were uh, nearing the end of worship there. The psalmist, it's the sons of Korah uh, writing the psalm, and the psalmist sort of declares the word of the Lord for the Lord. He prophesies in the psalm to everyone who would hear this psalm, and that's us, and Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God, and uh, though we're running a little bit late time-wise, uh it seems like the very worst thing I could do would be to skip over the word of the Lord. (laughs) So uh, just close your eyes if you're comfortable to do that. Sort of put your hands in a comfortable place. Take Take a couple of deep breaths because those are the gift of God, your very breath. And hear the word of the Lord to us this morning, to each and every one of us. The Lord says to us, be still and know. That I am God. So let your body be still and know that He is God this morning. And let your mind be still and know that He is God. And let your will this morning, your chooser, be still. And know that He is God. Let your emotions this morning be still and know that He is God. Let your worries know this morning that they can be still. And know that he is God. Let your spirit, that uh, place created by God, where he dwells in you, where he connects you to himself by the Holy Spirit. Let your spirit this morning be still and know that he is God. God, here we are, your people, this morning, created by you, loved by you, called by you, redeemed by you, gifted by you, and so loved and beloved by you. Holy Spirit, come and let us uh, remain in stillness before you. And that the deepest place in us, created by you, would know this morning that you are God. We give you worship and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I needed that. So I give it to you. I think it's so important for us to learn as people in a chaotic world how to still ourselves before the God of the universe. He's the one that does all the heavy lifting. He's the one that does all the work. I'm going to be talking for the next couple of minutes about generosity, about the way that God gives to us gifts so that we can give to others. But I just want to start at the outset in in this very important reminder that everything that God does through you is His gift. That's why God gets all the glory, is because when we serve and when we give and give our messages and sing our songs and serve and and tithe, and all the things that we do out in the world that we do in the name of Jesus, we do with the gracious power that God gives us. So we're going to end there in a couple of minutes, but I want to start there too, remembering that everything that we have, it comes from God. All right. Ready for a little recap? Just say, yes, I know you're home. All right. Woo! Uh, one person went like this. Thanks, man. Uh, we're in part two of a series we're, called, we're calling A Generous Life, and uh, last week we talked about generosity as um, that uh, attitude that everything we have comes from God. It's an attitude of life that everything we have comes from him, and when we give, we give from him. Giving is the action that comes out of the attitude of generosity. Pure generosity is not giving to get, but giving from grace. And grace is that reality that we know we've received everything and more than we could ever on our own merits deserve. That's grace. And from that place of grace, we give. And we're looking at this life posture of generosity revealed in the life of Jesus and the followers of Jesus in the scripture. We realize that this is not an autopilot type of generosity. That doesn't mean you can't automate your giving. You know, there's no sin in that. But the attitude, the lifestyle of Jesus living his generous life through us is not autopilot. It's not just click once and forever. It's, it's that daily communication with Jesus. It's checking in with God each day. God, how do you want to live your generous life through me? It, it means a, a, a new prayer for us. Jesus, today lead me into your generous life. What does it look like in this particular life that I live for your generosity to pour out through me. Last week, we focused on the source and the goal of a generous life. We talked about, I talked, <laughs> I talked, you listened, thank you, about fixing our eyes on Jesus, Jesus as the source of generosity and Jesus as the target, the goal, the means, everything about generosity. And, and um, I asked uh, you to consider in your life, is there anything that distracts you From the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Because that's where a a generous lifestyle begins. It begins with the generous one, Jesus, who gave everything for us. Today we're going to turn to the outflow of that love relationship, that clear focus on Jesus, and look at the life that serves others with what we've been given. So I'm going to focus on uh, really just two verses in 1 Peter 4, but I want to read this verse in context. And can I ask you just stand, if, you, if you're able to do so, and I'm going to read this scripture for us. This is God's word to us this morning from 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. That's good, right? So just to uh, put this passage in context for you, Peter is writing, this is his first letter, uh, Peter is writing to a group of individuals, a group of churches that are uh, experiencing severe persecution. So if you read First Peter 5, 2, it's kind of the summary as well as his purpose for writing. And his purpose is this, in the midst of persecution, stand firm. The beginning of this passage, he says, the end of all things is near. Peter has every uh, reason to believe that Jesus is coming soon. Now, the big question is, what does soon mean, right? <laughs> We're still working on that 2,000 years ago. But it's important that we put this passage in its context. A people trying to remain faithful in a very difficult world. Can anyone give a hearty amen? Maybe you are not living under persecution like they were living under persecution. But we are a, faithful, a people trying desperately to remain faithful to Jesus in a very difficult world. So uh, just to expand the context before I get to our verses, um, verse uh, seven, the end of all things is near. Um, he's, he's putting this in the context of an eternal perspective. So as you hear everything that Peter says in the next few verses, put it in the perspective of this. We're not talking just about the here and now. He says, hey, we're coming to the end of this whole deal called humanity, So our picture, our perspective on life has got to be bigger than just, you know, what happens tomorrow at work or do the Colts win? You know, important, but not most important. Right. So he's just saying, get perspective. We're coming to the end of this. In other words, we're down. We're down to the wire and we want to be living for what is valued in eternity. Verse seven B, he says, "Uh, do this, uh, be sober You're not just talking about don't drink too much. He's just saying, have an attitude of clarity, like last week, simplicity and purity, eyes to Jesus, so that you can pray. That's an attitude and a lifestyle of prayer. And then verse 8, he says, the foundation and the power of this is love. He says, um, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Just an interesting note, that Greek word for keep fervent. It's the same word for uh, the way they would describe a horse galloping, all right? In other words, keep at it to the finish line. Don't, don't lack, don't, um, don't, uh, don't hold back in your love for one another. Now is not the time to hold back love. The world needs love. There's a song there somewhere. All right, I'm not singing it. <laughs> <laughs> For those who didn't hear and those listening on podcast, my friend Matthew said, good. (laughs) Speaking the truth in love. Verse 9, he goes into the practical outworking of this eternal perspective, this uh, sobriety and self-control, a lifestyle of prayer and foundation. And he just says this, be hospitable to one another. No, he goes one step further without grumbling. (laughs) Yeah, oh, (laughs) Basically he's saying be kind to one another and serve one another and don't make a big stinking deal about it, all right? What you may not know is that at this time, in a time of persecution, to be hospitable to another believer, to bring a believer into your home, could mean for you serious legal ramifications. Think Eastern Europe Christians before the wall came down 30 years ago the other day, right? Right? So hospitality was a dangerous thing. We think, yeah, come on, just have someone over. What he's saying is it's, it's worth the risk of your life to practically show your love to other believers. That's context. And now we get to the major outworking principle of God's generous life through us. And it's 1 Peter 4.10. says this, As each one has received a special gift employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold that just means varied or variegated this varied grace of God so here's how it works we want to dive in for a few minutes he says each one has been given a gift it is interesting that Peter doesn't say whoever got a gift like you know if you got him smoke them, I think they used to say World War II I wasn't there he doesn't say, if you got one, use it. He said, as each one has received. So I'm not going to preach about this. I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you've come into the family of God, if you met Jesus this morning, if you gave your life to Christ just before you took communion here, you have a special spiritual gift from heaven. You have been endowed with the gift. No believer, I don't care who you are, what your limitations are, in any way, shape, or form. Every believer has been endowed, has been gifted with a gift from the great grace giver, God himself. Every single one of us has a gift. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, a couple of verses here. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit to another gift. And he goes on and on. And then in verse 11, he says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he, God, by the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as he determines. God gave you a gift. God gave you the gift or gifts that he wanted to give you. I say this with all love and respect. Deal with it. All right. Own it. God's given you a gift. There's no one here who can say, oh, yeah, he, he was talking to everyone but me because I'm not gifted. Insert expletive. No, it's not true. If you want to look at the list of New Testament gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, here in broad cat- categories in uh, 1 Peter 4, he will say whoever speaks or whoever serves. Just big, broad categories. And then there are other um, Miscellaneous passages that include celibacy, voluntary poverty, martyrdom, and a bunch of other fun stuff that you'll want to look into. The word gift in this passage is the same root as the word for grace. So when Paul says, as each has received a gift, the word is charisma. The Greek word for grace is charis. The word for gift is charisma. It's the same deal. It's everything we got, it comes from God. You have a gracelet in your life. You have been gifted by grace. If you don't have a clue what your spiritual gifts are, go right to our website uh, later tonight, indyvignor.org. I'll post some resources for you. If you're in a transforming group, when you meet this week, talk about it. Say, I don't know what my gift is. And I bet people will pounce on you in love to let you know that you've been gifted by God. Peter goes further. He says, just as you've received a gift from God, use it specifically to serve others, meaning that the gift that God's given to you, he means to be given through you. It's not just a cute way to say it. The gift that God has given to you that you are a steward of, he wants to give through you. You have something to give because it comes straight from God. What, what does it mean to serve? Let me just give you the, a couple of uh, understandings. The Greek word here would be diakoneo. That's a fun word to say. We get our English word deacon, a person who serves in the church. Anyone grow up in a church with deacons? Anyone want to be a deacon? Oh, what happened? <laughs> I got one, poss- one possible. <laughs> you know, you're all deacons. I just affirm you right now because you've all been given a gift from God, and you all get to use it to serve. So I've just appointed you all as deacons. You can put it on your uh, email signature, all right? Deacon of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it means. To be a servant or an attendant, to serve, to wait upon, to minister to one. To wait at a table and offer food, drink to the guest, that's one way it was used. To minister, that is to supply food and the necessities of life. To relieve one's necessities, that is by collecting alms, or to provide, to take care of, to distribute the things necessary to sustain life. The life of the church, the necessities of each believer, those necessities, that life is sustained by the service of all the church. I cannot sustain your life. No church in some organizational structure, can sustain your life. Jesus is sustaining your life through what? Through all the deacons of the church. If you're a deacon, raise your hand. See, you're getting it here. This is where we're headed. So here's the question. What do you have to give to serve with? What way do you have to take care of others? What do you have to distribute that others might need to sustain life? It is that simple. Lord, what have you given me? What do I have? Time, talent, resources, uh, special training. What do I have that I could give that might sustain the life of another, that might meet the needs of another in the church? Here's the bottom line I think Peter's getting at here. Though he might not say it this way, I will. There is no such thing as a spectator in the church that's led by Jesus. No condemnation just reality check. There's no such thing as a spectator in the church that's led by Jesus. There's there's no such thing as, well, I'm just going in there to sort of, uh, you know, see how it all goes in the church. No. God gave you a gift and that gift is meant to be employed. You get to use it. You get to let God's grace come in you, through you, and to others. And, You know, the joy, I just say it outright the joy of knowing that you've been used by God. It is a thrill. And most of you have experienced that. And it's a thrill that Jesus is calling us into. No spectators. He goes further. He says Stewardship is partnering with God's gift in you in the way that God determines. In the way that God determines. It's with God's strength that we serve. It's in the way that God determines that we serve. And it is for God's glory that we serve. It's all right there in the text. So the source of grace for your gift is the same as the source of the grace for everyone else's gift. Think of the most spiritually gifted person you know. All right. Someone is not me. All right. There's someone else out there. The most spiritually gifted person you know, think of them and realize this. The source of their gift is the same as the source of your gift. It's the same. Same God, same grace. It's not the same gift. The source is the same, but the way the gift manifests is differently. Why? Because Peter says God wants to express his grace in manifold ways. You know what a manifold is? It's a thing. It's a real special thing, all right, <laughs> in a wall in my, uh, in my laundry room. I've seen one before. A manifold is just a place where all the good stuff comes and then gets distributed to places in the home or the engine or whatever is required, right? We are distributors of the manifold grace of God. Think of this church, the, the Indy Vineyard, like a manifold, and think of the grace of God being poured down. And then two or three or four hundred, depending on if everyone would show up on a day. Four hundred different ways that the grace of God is expressed. Every single one to bring a smile to the face of Jesus. If you don't let grace go through you, you're missing out on the chance to, to allow God's love and power to flow right through you to the world. And here's what I'm saying. We need you. we really really need you to do what God's called us to do. Peter specifically says that we do this as stewards of God's grace, which means in the end of this, we don't own the gifts that God gives us. We're stewards of the gifts. You receive it, you care for it, you distribute it as the master or the king decides. And what does the scripture say about a steward? He says it's incumbent most of all upon a steward to be faithful. No one is asking you to steward your gift from God in a way like somebody else is doing it. We're just simply calling you up to that place where God would love to bless you and say, just steward your gift. Just be faithful with what you have. You're not responsible for the outcome of your gifts. The king is. The master is. You just get to serve it out, right? Here's my gift. God, what do you want to do with this gift of mine? And what that means to me is God's grace will look different coming through you than it will coming through another person, right? So here's practical application number one from Randy's message this morning. Give up comparison as your favorite hobby. All right? Who would like to, with me, give up comparison this morning forever and ever? Okay, it's gone. We'll just give it up. And when it tries to come back tomorrow, say, sorry, gave you up yesterday forever. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's, it's, comparison is, is of no use in the kingdom. As if the grace of God coming through us is better in one than another. It's God's grace. It's God's gift. It's for God's glory. Comparison is so pete. Let's just not do it anymore. And I'll just go one step further. Whatever you need to get rid of in your life to get rid of comparison, let the reader understand. Whatever you need to get rid of in your life to get rid of comparison, get rid of it. Because comparison is a killer in the kingdom. And we just say no. Eyes fixed on Jesus. Not on that believer. Not on that believer. Eyes fixed on Jesus. And the grace of God flows through us. For the glory of God. Realize that Peter says you do this with the strength that God provides. couple of possibilities here. If you have strength to give and serve, you feel it within you. Then what that means is you have a place to serve. You know, if you feel like, man, I've got something to give. Then, yes, God has a place for you to serve. It's one of the ways that God leads his people, by giving them strength with, you know, I'm raring to go. Some of you are just raring to go right now, right? You are raring to go. And that means that God has something for you to give. It also means that if you've been clearly called to give, you've been clearly called to give in a ministry, in a work capacity, in uh, in the kingdom, in another ministry. However, if you've been clearly called to give by jesus then god will be faithful to supply the strength you need so are you feeling a little weary in your giving but you know you've been called this is your promise god will supply the strength there's a cycle of generosity at work in the kingdom of god and that cycle of generosity begins with god And it it works through his people in the church, and it blesses people in the church and in the world, and then it goes right back up to God because God gets all the glory. The only question for us as subjects in the kingdom is to what extent do we want to be uh, taken up in the whirlwind of God's generosity? To what extent do you want to be subsumed in this, this hurricane of generosity that is the kingdom of God? Because you've got to step into it to be a part of that kingdom economy. G.K. Chesterton, famous guy of about 150 years ago or so. This was the principle of his life. He says, nothing taken for granted, everything received with gratitude, everything passed on with grace. That's good. We have someone will put that on their little tagline. Nothing taken for granted, everything received with gratitude, everything passed on with grace. And some of you are thinking, but how do I know where I fit? How do I know, what, what, you know, where, where's, where's my special place, God? And um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to ignore that as an important question in your spiritual growth. You press into those scriptures I gave you. You, you communicate with your transforming group. Talk to a pastor, a friend, you know, wh- whoever about what are the gifts God's given me. Ask the Holy Spirit to. To show them, but let me give you just two minutes of our story, because this is how I recognized that I had a gift that God wanted to use. A lot of you know the 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 not as fun parts of our story. Um, Fun part: we got married 33 years ago. Woo! Uh, Went off to the mission field, had a glorious time. Our first, what I call our first missionary journey. Came back and went to um, graduate school in Evanston. And we're sent off on our second missionary journey where I would like to say God in his kindness killed me. There's another story there. I won't go into that now. And um, in his killing, he, he called me into six years of, I would call it wilderness in my own life. Um, difficult, challenging, God-ordained so that I would throw off so much of the pride that took me to the mission field the second time. In other words, anyone but God getting the glory, me getting the glory. And I could recognize that the calling of God is the calling of God, his gift, his, his grace, and his glory. And about six years into that, I was um, uh, Jane and I were meeting with a family. It was actually the former senior pastor of this church, our good friends from uh, graduate school, He had already asked me to come and be associate pastor two times, and I'd said both times, no, I wouldn't want to be pastored by me, and so nobody else wants to be pastored by me. Exact quote. And uh, then uh, July 2001, we were camping together. We were just talking. It was early morning, maybe five in the morning. Kids were asleep. World was asleep. It was just me and the fire and my book, and I was happy. And I was reading the book, Wild at Heart, by John Eldridge. And I was chapter 8 or 9, and there was an epigraph, a little uh, quote in the beginning of uh, that, uh, that chapter. And this is what it said. Put it up there, the quote. There you go. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. And this, and, and this is it. In the little uh, campground in the middle of Ohio... The arrow of heaven went wham. And it just like whew, out of nowhere, six years in the wilderness. Don't know what I'm doing in my life, except that uh, the person I was, <laughs> I was working with, my dad in an insurance agency, and, and one of the customer service reps saying, kept saying to me, Randy, it seems like you keep trying to turn this business into a church. <laughs> so there's a little clue, right? And then I read this, the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness the longing of your heart, what brings you joy, meets the world's deep hunger. That place where the world is crying out for something, not of earth, but of heaven. And I realized at the moment, oh God, you've gifted me to communicate the good news of Jesus. My deep gladness is saying to people everywhere I can go, but what about God? But God's present. But he's loving. But he's powerful. That's, that's what gets me going. And what the world needs at its most deepest place is to know that God is present and God is loving and God is powerful. And it just hit me like wham. Even though I feel like a failure, I've got to go back. I've got to try again. The call of God has not been taken away from me. And just because God loves me so much, because I was feeling it, you know, the fire was there, it was a perfect setting, I'm reading it, the Holy Spirit's on me, I stand up, I walk to the, um, the road in the, what am I, where am I? Campground. And I'm just saying, God, what, do, what, what does this mean? What do I do? I mean, really what I'm saying is, God, is this really you? Is this really you? I'm standing about here to Daniel. Okay, Daniel, stand up. You're playing the per- part of a wild turkey. I mean that in the nicest way. I'm standing right here and there's a turkey, a wild turkey, not the bottle, a wild turkey in the road. And this turkey looks at me. We have a little engagement. The turkey turns around. It flies off and a feather comes down into the sky. I should have brought it. I have it in my office. You can sit down. Thank you. You've done a great job. And you know what? I'm reading the book Wild at Heart. And I, I pick up this feather and I realize, God, you've called me. I can't mess up your calling. I can't screw up your calling. I don't need to get the glory. Yes, I'm afraid of failure and on and on and on. But if you give me the strength, then I'm going to go for it. And, and, and I will be for you one of those vessels through which the manifold gifts and grace of God are spread out into the world. And you know what? That, that turkey feather stays on my Shelf because sometimes I need to pick it up and remember God called me. (laughs) Turkey feather. Okay? Some people have, you know, important things. I got a turkey feather. But that turkey feather, feather, that turkey feather is God's promise to me. Right? I mean, every one of us has got a gift from God. And the gift has been given so that you would use it to serve others so that we might be stewards of God's grace in manifold, varied and many different ways, remembering that this strength that's given to us is strength given from God so that when we use our gift in speaking or serving, then all the glory goes to God, to whom is all dominion and all glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand. Lynn, will you come and play? If I could have the ministry team come up. The ministry team can come up. The ministry team has manifold gifts of God's grace. A couple of options this morning as you stand. Having heard that word, having felt some exhortation and looking at your life, with the Holy Spirit, maybe you're an unbeliever. Maybe you've never met Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus wants to meet you today. He wants to save, not just your soul, not just unite, uh, not just to unite you with Him, but He wants to empower you with gifting to the world for the glory of God. If you need to meet Jesus this morning, I would love to talk to you. Some of you are believers but you just don't know what your gift is or you, you, you're afraid. You're just honest. I think I have a gift, but I'm afraid. I would invite you if you're afraid to come forward and let somebody pray for you and break fear off of you because it's time for the grace of God to flow through you. Some of you, it's important. I know we're running a little late. It's important that I address this. Some of you know your gift. You've been serving faithfully. You're beginning to feel burned out. Some of you are beginning to feel burned out because the scripture says that we serve with the strength that God supplies. And you're feeling like God is no longer supplying me with strength. It may be that he's called you to a time of rest. I know we're in a series on generosity. I know we're talking about get up and give. But some of you are serving with your own strength and not the strength that God supplies. And you know what you get to do this morning? You get to repent. You get to turn back and say, God, it's for you. And if you're calling me to rest, then I will rest in your grace, in your gracious gift. Maybe you just need empowerment this morning. You're walking in your gift, but you want more. Then I just encourage you, Lynn's going to play. Jonathan will accompany and just let someone pray for you. Father, thank you for your good news this morning. Thank you for your grace poured out on us this morning. Holy Spirit, come and work in each heart and restore each soul and renew each spirit this morning, I pray. Pour out your grace on us because the world needs the grace of God.